Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Delighted today to be joined by Karen Dyke, who's a CEO at Retail Manager Solutions. Morning, Karen. How are you? Good morning, Simon. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. This is part of our workforce management series and really looking forward to speaking to you today. So for those that maybe aren't familiar with you or Retail Manager Solutions, be good if you could first give us a bit of a career biog and then tell us a little bit about the business. Of course, Simon, and thank you very much for inviting me today. My name is Karen, uh, Karen Dyke from Retail Manager Solutions. So I've been running Retail Manager Solutions for uh, uh, since its inception. Previous to that, my career began very much in the retail sector. So I worked for a number of retail outlets. Moving on from that, I actually moved into the technology world. I joined IBM and was very much involved in the development of hardware platforms. But my heart was still very much based on business. Moving away from IBM, I had the opportunity to build a, a retail-specific vertical within a, a systems integrator and latterly managed to uh, successfully do a management buyout to form what Retail Manager Solutions is today. Retail Manager Solutions offers a portfolio of retail, hospitality and healthcare specific um, application solutions. Uh, more so retail, um, that's very much where we began. And our mission in life is really to automate and ease communication and activity between head office functions, field and the store operation. Our dream and our mission, and we're nearly there, is to offer a platform that does everything within a store environment outside of taking cash from customers. So a portfolio of over 120 different modules, which can be custom configured and built for each individual customer implementation. I love the Metro roadmap that you use. So for, the, for those that haven't seen it, if you go on the, the RMS website and we'll give the, the details out at the end, you visualize it in a, a tube map almost, if probably that, that's the correct way of doing it without giving it a disservice. So you can see the different colored lines and you can see the journeys of all the, the different products that connect together. Is that fair? It's a very good description. And for many, many months, as you can imagine, marketing uh, parts of the business are, are always very, very creative. And it was really to try and find something that depicted that you could go on a journey with us as a business. So you could start on a particular line and then pick up any station that worked for you. So very much it is for each customer, they can take what's right for them, what's right for their business, and what's right and what's going to make a difference to their business operationally. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So yeah, check it out and we'll we'll put the link on and, and a, a link to it when the podcast goes out. So we're going to talk a lot today around people, because regardless of retail, hospitality, you boil it down and it's all about people. So how well you can engage and connect with the people that work with you, for me, as a massive correlation and direct impact on how they connect with your their customers and therefore that drives sales and revenue. So it, it sounds simple. Uh, some people do it really well. Some people have a, a big challenge with it. I think one of the biggest challenges, Karen, is based on this year. So 2020, it's been something that nobody could have ever predicted, I don't think. It's been really difficult for employers to connect with their employees because potentially they're at home, they're in and out based on furlough, doing different things than maybe they normally would or being asked to do different things. So how have you and the team kind of combated that and helped them through the solutions you provide? It's an exceptionally good point, uh, Simon. The 
the challenges that um, the COVID-19 have introduced this year, as you said, I don't think anybody could have foreseen. And there's been two major areas where our clients have worked with us very, very closely to take advantage of what they already have within our product suite. The first thing is, you know, how do I engage with my employees and how do I do that legally and effectively when some of those employees are furloughed? You, you need to be able to reach out with them. You still need to communicate with them. But clearly, you have to be incredibly careful that as part of that communication, you're not invoking any working operation. So communication, advising people of where you are as a business, what your position is on COVID-19, what's going to happen when they do return to work is incredibly important. And we have seen uh, customers that have had no actual operational retail outlets working, using the platform just to communicate, just to advise, just to embrace those employees. On the other side, we've had a number of clients that because of the virtue of the the vertical within retail that they're in, their workload has grown exponentially. And therefore, uh, you know, changes in working hours, the uh, priority for customers in those working hours, increases in uh, in re-merchandising, restocking, uh, pressure, pressure, pressure. And people are asked to do different things that maybe aren't part of their normal working pa- pattern. So it's been incredibly important that whatever we do from a scheduling, from a planning perspective, it can absorb dynamic change. Um, And our platform is absolutely built on being able to have something dynamic, unique to each individual outlet by day, by week, by week of year. So we've seen a lot of plans, a lot of historical ways of driving populations of schedules, populations of rotors in a completely different way. Um, And having a platform that can be that flexible um, is incredibly important. But it isn't only about that scheduling. It's about how do I communicate to my employees those changes, the additional things that I'm going to ask them to do, and also having the capability to pre-warn those that may be returning to work how that pattern is going to look to them. Yeah, so it's a minefield, isn't it? And some organisations are in a good place with this kind of stuff pre-lockdown, let's be fair, and and some, well, it will have absolutely blindsided them because, like I said, and we both said, no one would have predicted how 2020 is going to pan out. So that's all well and good. You can have great comms platform, you can be um, reactive, but that relies pretty much, I'll say pretty much, that relies to a degree on uh, the provider of those solutions. So it must have been really difficult for your team because clearly all of a sudden they'll be getting requests to be changing the plan to do things differently, to maybe do some more configurations. So how did your team cope in those initial phases of lockdown to react and support the customers to deliver what they were looking to do? They, they've had to be incredibly attentive. As you said, each individual retailer is very, very different. From changing the look and feel of the application to give their, you know, prominent space for key communications through to changing how you drive a schedule. As you know, Simon, work, work measurement is, is very important to driving schedules. 
But in these changing times, sometimes that work measurement is not available because nobody, no organisation has been able to measure it. We've seen different and and changing footfall um, limitations on the number of people that can actually physically access a location, a massive increase in, in click and collect transactions. So the whole profile has had to change. And so we, we can, uh, the beauty of the platform and any platform must be based on saying, I need to make a change today. I need to drive my schedules in a different way. And some of those may be just on, I can only afford minimum manning. Some of those may say, actually, I now want to introduce non-core activity, which would maybe click and collect transactions. So it's having that ability and having the team that are in place and with their, their real, you know, live retail business experience, being able to change those configurations and do what ifs. The beauty of any platform is the ability, yes, you may get it wrong, but the ability to make those changes to get it right very, very quickly. And so having those platforms that can visibly show you compliance, they can visibly show you how you're meeting this new demand is incredibly important and it needs to be real time. And clearly having the provider that's there to help you through that journey because, yeah, if we try and put it 2021, I'm not sure what we base it on, 2019 or a bit of 2020. So that whole scheduling piece of profiles and manning templates, even down to minimum manning at the moment, I think for most people for next year is up in the air because what do you base it on? Something that's greater than 12 months, something that hopefully is a one-off year in the world. It, it's a challenge, isn't it, to think through of how do I shape my staffing for the years going forward now? And it, you're absolutely right. It, it, it's, it's not impossible. I think we have to learn each week uh, of 2021 and learn from, from previous schedules and the ability to take those, analyse them and reuse them where we can. There isn't one size that fits all by, by any stretch of the imagination. And we just don't know what the world is going to look like in 2021. Clearly, we're hearing really positive news about vaccines to to control the spread of the disease and hopefully get us to a position of herd immunity. But we don't know how long that's going to take. So my view is that Q1 next year is going to need to follow the pattern pretty much of 2020 is we're going to have to change. We're going to have to be dynamic. We're going to have to react planning is going to be very difficult. I think the only metric and the only plan that any retailer may have at this moment in time is to say, I've got an idea of a labour budget. I've got an idea of how much I can afford until I see a sales profile change, until I see an increase in sales. And therefore, I need something that's going to help me control that budget whilst trying to react to customers customer demand so it is about that flexibility and about managing it on a week by week basis and having a platform that can change those drivers so one day it could be minimum manning the next day it could be minimum manning and a sales profile the following day it could be number of transactions it could be number of web click and collects it could be footfall information Uh, You just need that flexibility. As we know, you know, manning is key um, in any organisation that's involved in retail or hospitality. And it's that balance to say, I have enough people in my store to operate it, 
versus I don't have enough people in my store to actually address the demand. And so it is finding that balance. And I think it's a bit like, I think it was Burger King that was have it your way was their slogan for a time because I might need a timesheet that I can do working from home because lots of field roles will spend, I assume, more time at home and in the stores, less time in head office moving forward. I might be wanting to clock in and out in a store. So I think a, a thing that's probably worth exploring a little bit more. So you, you, I know you use clocks to drive employee engagement and interact with the system. So if we just maybe talk about that for a second and then thoughts on how that might move on if people aren't necessarily using physical clocks yeah um the 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 clocking solution that we have implemented is what we we refer to as a soft clock so it is a software based clock with no need for any hardware and it's something that can sit on every employee's personal device if they choose to use those or it is a web-based application so it's very very simple to get access to for many years we we debated about the use of clocks, especially in retail and hospitality. You know, how how what do they really deliver? Do they give you the visibility of, of bad behavior and bad loyalty? Or do they actually just expose how great your staff are and how much extra time they give you? However, legality has changed, working time directive has changed, minimum wages have changed, and we know that HMRC are so hot now on ensuring that you're paying down to the individual minute for what people work because extra minutes can affect your minimum wage payment. It can look about like Big Brother and uh, a lot of employees can feel that, you know, they're being asked to do something that, that they're not comfortable with. And what we've actually seen by actually integrating it with a communications package, something that engages with the employee, that we are seeing that we're getting 100% clocking, which is unheard of, that, you know, employees are quite happy to do it. They see the value in it. And I think the other point that you made earlier is that we're seeing that people don't work all the time at certain locations. There is an element of working from home or having to go to lots of different locations. So actually tracking where people are isn't a game big brother, is health and safety. You know, there are people that could be operating and working in a location on their own. And you need to know that they're there. You need to be able to check in on them. So there are many hidden benefits of clocking and awareness, geographic awareness and and timing awareness of where people are. So strangely, I think our fear of colleagues and employees having concern about things such as clocks have actually it's turned on its head and people are actually seeing the benefits of it. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned minimum wage there. I know it was 2017, I think, one of the big department stores. There's not that many left, so people have to figure out which one it is. I think it was one Christmas temp that worked out they their average hourly earnings was under the minimum wage ban, was under the minimum wage limit, sorry, and it led to a fine, and I think they had to pay back kind of, you know, 250 grand's worth of pay to other people after they'd worked out the the average so you know i'm not sure there's going to be many businesses that are sat on that kind of money to pay back so the importance of getting it right one from a, a fairness point of view but as you say two from a legality point of view is absolutely critical and as those rates change clearly you've got to keep on top of it so yeah if you want to go and find out who it is i'm sure you can can google it it was in 2017 but um that that becomes big news and in the current environment not great news either i totally so, agree 
Yeah, it's um, it's a challenge to keep on top of. So a, a couple of things I wanted to touch on. So I think you talked about work measurement before, absolutely agree. You know, it's a time and we've been through a time where people have just got to get on with keeping the shops open. I think as we move forward into whatever it looks like, it's really important people get a grip of those new cleaning activities they've put in because we've seen everybody we work with has got a COVID cleaning policy and there's a big cost to that. And also this shift, and you mentioned a couple of times, towards click and collect and digital. So I think that will help people understand the cost moving into 2021 and and how that flexes based on what the the government guidelines are and so forth. But if if we cast our minds kind of into next year and maybe the year after, where where are you looking as a team around the product where you've got innovation coming, what kind of cool things that you can share and don't give away any secrets is on your mind and roadmap? Our our strategy is absolutely based very much around the whole engagement process with employee. So giving more and more capability to the end user, be it, you know, I can approve one I can approve my timesheet that can go through a further level of timesheeting. I want to see what I did, number of hours, number of minutes last week. I want to be able to book my holiday. I also want to see the latest video from my board. Um, I want to be able to engage. I want to use similar social tool sets that I can do in my private life. You know, I want to be able to like things. I want to be able to comment on things. I want to interact and engage. So certainly our de- our deliverables in Q1 are very much about employee focus and engagement and trying to draw in some of those activities that get lost in external social networking tools. I think every customer that I speak to, they they have this challenge it's I I won't call it an issue anymore but it is a challenge that much of their communication much of their discussions about who's going to be working what shift who's going to be available is done through social tools things like whatsapp and and they have an absolute perfect place in this world and, and they will never disappear no matter what you know any vendor like ourselves will never take those things away what we have to focus on is bringing some of that traffic back into the corporation itself and using those styles of communication to to drive productivity, drive how we are going to man, drive loyalty with those employees. So quarter one is very much focused on those deliverables for us just reaching out to the employee as much as we possibly can. Because even, you know, while we know that we're having to furlough staff, we've still trained those staff. And the last thing that we want to do is lose them. And, you know, the inevitability is that there will be redundancies, but we we must protect the skill set and the business knowledge that we've got. So holding on to those that we can, uh, we need to find an effective mechanism and that's about giving them the right rotors. That's about giving them the right information. And it's giving them something that they actually want to engage with. Just putting up policies and procedures is not particularly engaging. But, you know, the use of video communication, but use of things like Teams and Zoom for video conferencing, taking that down to the employee's personal device is just so important. No, no, I like that. So yeah, more self-service comms, that whole social piece leading into this em- employee kind of sphere of technology sounds really interesting. And I'll I'll come back to WhatsApp then. We we see it a lot. So like you, we'll work with clients, retail hospitality, and they'll say, yes, we, we've got this tool, we use this. 
we'll go in and do some study work in stores and actually we'll see five, six, seven different WhatsApp groups for various parts of the store team or field team or with the same or contradicting messages ironically and it it always strikes me a bit like you 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 can't probably stamp it out because it's free and everybody pretty much has it on the phone and and people seem okay with having that mix of personal and and work most people i think the the big watch out still for me is the whole unregulated part of it so who's managing who has access to those groups who's checking that you know John Smith left and actually he's still seeing pictures of the promotion, but he's gone to work for a competitor who's keeping it appropriate because if it becomes inappropriate, clearly it can be brought back to the workplace. So whilst it's free and easy to access and you don't need a training manual, I think as a business, there's some real big watch outs of appropriate content and actually are you giving away your business secrets to the competitor who's managing it? And everybody will tell you they're busy, but managing those WhatsApp groups is another bit of work that people are most self-generating. Does that resonate? It absolutely resonates. And, you know, the COVID, the first lockdown, we saw an explosion of, of, of WhatsApp groups being created. You know, I'm going to create a WhatsApp group for my furlough staff and for my non-furlough staff uh, and never the twain shall meet. Yet, you know, a lot of our clients have the capability to be able to communicate in a different way based on their status. But you're absolutely right. The, I, I see a number of, of retailers or, and, and hospitality organisations that have spent, you know, a lot of money on, on workforce management tool sets, you know, with features such as shift bidding, shift opportunity. And those tools are not being used. They revert, you know, that it's the, the lowest, you know, lowest common denominator, the most simplest way to do these things. And that's why WhatsApp gains footfall. And when I look at our products, it, it, it I've got to have that simplicity of UI. It's the simplest place for, you know, our customers to go to find out what's going on. And it has to look like it. It has to be familiar. And so a lot of the, the the new UIs that are being delivered in Q1 look horribly like very, very common social media tools. And I'm not going to highlight any in particular, but they look that way because that's what people are used to. My mum uses Facebook and she's in her 80s. So it's not an age thing now everybody is using these tools and they're using these tools strangely enough over and above things like email so people's behavior has completely changed and things like covid have just accelerated that change and i think i've heard many many people talk many retailers publicly say you know from a technology stance they've moved more in the past six nine months than they had done for the past 10 years because they had to because they had to change and I think any any software vendor is in that same situation. You, you must change, you must adapt. And it is about that individual engagement, providing people with tools that look familiar. Yeah, no, I agree. Why, why reinvent the wheel if people are used to it? Clearly, you're going to drive a smoother transition for adoption. I think the other, the other thing that's really interesting, and you touched on it again before, was I think we're going to end up with, unfortunately, most organisations for the next 12 to 18 months having a smaller workforce because times are hard, sales aren't as great, our habits have changed in terms of the way we shop. And I'm talking generally retail hospitality here, 
which comes back to your wider point of it then becomes even more essential that you're providing that smaller workforce with the right tools, with the right communication pathways and platforms and, and the social elements that they crave. Because if I take my time back to managing stores, the less people you had, actually the less you saw them just because of shift patterns. So as a leader in a store, I would have, and I'm talking kind of 20 years ago now, share my age, I would have relished the opportunity to be able to speak to everybody virtually or via some sort of automated comms to know they've read it and understood it and asked me questions or, or whatever. Because we only actually ever got most people together in out-of-hours meetings just because it, it, it didn't work otherwise with you know some people working weekends, some mornings, some afternoons, some evenings, days off. So I, I really see the value of it, but I actually think in terms of the priority list, it's going to be number one or number two as we move into the next 12 to 18 months, just because there's going to be, unfortunately, less people in work. Very much so. And, you know, we've seen in the past how people have had to really, it's the age-old expression, sweat, sweat the asset. We know from a technology perspective, all organisations have had to genuinely invest in technology over the past nine months to cope with demand differences. You know, the number of websites that I've, I've been on to order things because that's the only way that I could shop. And I'm in a queue on a website. I mean, it's very nice. It's telling me that I'm in a queue, but that's, that's just crazy. So we've seen huge investment and we're not seeing those queues on websites this time round. But it's, it's exactly the same for the in-store experience. It's making sure that the people that we have in there are in the right place at the right time as much as we can plan. But they are informed, they are educated and give them some element of autonomy, but with knowledge so it, it is a very, very, very different world. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a fascinating chat, Karen. I think we've covered some some great ground and, and who knows what the next 12 to 18 months holds. Hopefully it's far more positive than maybe the last nine. If people want to reach out to you and have a chat about some of the stuff we've talked about or find out more of what's on the Metro roadmap, where's the best place for them to find you? Uh, the best place to find me again number of number of ways um, I'm available obviously on LinkedIn so please connect through through LinkedIn obviously through the, the retail manager solutions website or contact me directly through email my email address is karen.dyke at retail-manager.com brilliant and last question for me then one that everybody gets on the podcast what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given the best bit of business advice i think keep it, keep it simple simple as that then yeah that's good no i i fully agree um complexity is is good at times but simplicity seems to drive progress and um complexity seems to drive confusion let's say brilliant i really enjoyed this one karen it's been great to catch up it's been Look lovely after to yourself. speak to you simon thank you very much and thank you for inviting me you're more than welcome speak soon see you soon